This is episode 14 with Heather Monaghan of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant minds in business and entrepreneurship so you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, struggles and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. I'm your host, Joel Ong of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast and welcome to the show. Hey and welcome to today's brand new episode. My name is Joel and I'm the host for today's show. I'm also the founder and video producer at Tape Your Time and we are a video production agency that helps businesses to better leverage the power of video to build better relationships and grow their business. And once again, if you're enjoying these episodes, please do leave a review, subscribe, follow, share them around with your friends and family. And we really appreciate all the support that we get for the show. So today's guest, her name is Heather Monaghan. And Heather is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder and CEO of Boss in Hughes. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for you know, nearly 20 years, Heather is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. So, you know, as a CRO in media, Heather was a glass ceiling award winner and she's named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017 and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. So she's based off of in Miami and Heather's new book called Confidence Creator shot to the number one spot on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list on the very first week that it debuted on Amazon. Heather is also a confidence expert and is currently working with Fortune 500 companies and in professional sports to develop better confidence in the workplace and on the court. She's also a member of Florida's International University's Advisory Council to further serve as a mentor and leader in the South Florida community. And Heather's new show, called Creating Confidence, debuted on the top 200 shows on Apple's podcast. Heather's work has been featured you know, in tons of publications uh, such as USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company, TEDx, Business News Daily, etc. And most recently, she added you know, the guest professor to Harvard as one of her list of accomplishments. So today, we're very privileged to have Heather on the show. And I'm really excited and looking forward to this for a very, very long time. So, you know, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to um, pick Heather's brains as well and um, ask her and find out more about, you know, how she's managed to pull all of this off <laughs> um, and how she's managed to, you know, um, preserve and also grow uh, this amazing personality of hers. So I'm not going to ramble on. Without further ado, let's welcome Heather Monaghan. So Heather, um, the first question I like to ask is, how did you decide to end up doing what you're doing today? <laughs> because I was fired after two decades in media as a chief revenue officer and 14 years at the same company. Uh, the CEO I worked for became ill. His daughter replaced him and she fired me immediately. Well, so it wasn't by choice. 
No, but it ended up, it was a really low moment for me, but that low moment brought me to the realization that if I was going to start over again as a rookie, I might as well roll the dice and bet on me. And I decided then to go to work for myself. Cool. And, and um, what were some of the, so I'm trying to take myself back to possibly where you were back then. Um, what were some of the, the shifts that happened that, um, you know, that allowed you to, you know, champion your, your own identity as well as, you know, what you wanted to do? Well, some of the things that I decided to do were I reached out on social media. I let people know I had been fired and that I needed help. I asked for help. And that was a really smart decision. That post went viral on LinkedIn and I had thousands of opportunities. One being from Froggy from the Elvis Duran show who said, I want to help you. And I said, great, book me on the show. You know, I learned that when someone wants to help you, it's important to convert that opportunity in that moment. Don't wait and think that you can go back to someone weeks later. You need to ask for whatever it is you want on that moment when they reach out. And he did. He got me on the show. And, and that show is halfway through the show. Elvis said to me, obviously, you're writing a book. I didn't know I was writing a book. But him believing so much in me is what pushed me to write the book which was really the catalyst for securing that I was going to work for myself. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that you you talked about asking for help. Um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, from where I come from, more like a, you know, Eastern kind of culture, right, in Asia, where uh, there's, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, shame or hesitation around um, being able to ask for help. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is a, a thing just only in Asia or is it also happening in the States as well or in the West. Um, and, you know, like the East and West distinction, I, I'm not a big fan of that idea. But um, I'm just wondering, you know, like for someone who um, for someone who encounters difficulties in, in being able to ask for help and embracing that help when someone wants to help you, um, I mean, how, how do you distinguish between when... You know, because people sometimes, you probably like get this all the time. People approach you and they say, hey, I want to help you. I want to value add you in some way. Um, how do you distinguish between something that um, they're asking for more like a transactional kind of thing versus someone who, you know, uh, genuinely wants to help you? I mean, follow your instinct, right? You've got to trust your gut and trust the feeling that you get from dealing with somebody. Yes, I get a lot of messages on social media of people, you know, claiming to want to do something, but you get a sense from people's approach. And, and the good news about social media is when you look at LinkedIn, you can see, does this person have a lot of reviews and recommendations? You know, do they have a lot of experience? Are they highly regarded? You can start seeing who these people are on social media, which gives you some insight. But for me, I, I agree with you tremendously. The East and the West is the same. Nobody likes to ask for help because it's scary. You could be rejected, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a, I've been a salesperson my entire career. I've learned to face rejection and not take it personally. It was now shifting that paradigm to apply it towards asking for help and realizing strong people ask for help. And stepping into shame is what makes it go away. And as I stepped into the shame of being fired, suddenly I didn't feel bad about being fired. As I overcame that fear of asking for help, I opened countless doors of opportunity for me. So, you know, one of the ways that I ask for help now is I try to lead with value first. So for example, when I got Gary Vaynerchuk to come on my new podcast, the mm -hmm. way that I did it 
was I reached out asking if I could help him grow his wine business. I had a background in the wine business. I have a very strong background in sales and revenue generation. And when I didn't hear back from him, I reached out to his partner and his partner called me right back and said, yeah, I'd love some help. So sometimes offering help to someone first is a great door opener so that you can inevitably ask them for help too. I think sometimes people think that, you know, like there's something special that you have to do. Could you like run us through, you know, the process? I mean, your own process of um, how you how you go about handling rejection, how you go about, you know, um, ensuring that your your mind and your mental state is in the right place so that, um, you know, you can sustain yourself in the long run. Well, I, you and I both know this because we're both podcast hosts and we're trying to get guests all the time. And this happened even today where I was delayed in a meeting and, you know, I sent you a note saying I'm running late. Listen, people are living in real world circumstances, just like you and just like me and just being understanding instead of making it about ourselves. You know, it would have been easy for you to say, oh, she's blowing me off and I'm not going to respond. I feel badly. But instead, you, you know, you, you said, hey, I understand, you know, let's, what, when can we push this to or when can we reschedule or how can we make it work? Being, raising your hand and saying, okay, let's figure out, you know, let's focus on the solutions and okay, there's an obstacle, let's find a solution for this. That's a really great attitude to have and one that I completely live by. I, you know, I'm going to LA this week to interview Ed Milet for my show Mm-hmm. And I reached out to him hundreds of times on DMs and he didn't respond to me. And I don't, I, I've learned, don't take it personal, take a different approach. It's on me. I know that his message is going to resonate well with my listeners. It's on me to find a way to get his attention to bring him to my show. And that's my job. I need to do that. So I can't quit. I can't give up on that or I'm failing my listeners, right? So our job is to bring purpose and value to the world and to our businesses and to our audiences. We can't quit or give up because we got a no or because someone didn't reply to us. No, it's on us to reinvent, take a different approach and keep knocking on those doors. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate um, your your compliment as well. Um, I, I, I'm seeing it on the flip side as well, you know. Um, I, I do have some peers and sometimes I feel this myself where, you know, we struggle with this imposter syndrome where, um, you know, on, the, on, the, on one hand, you know, uh, the tenacity and being able to deal with rejection constantly um, and, you know, believing that, you know, you have a value so that you can bring to someone. But, you know, real world circumstances, the person is busy, uh, may have missed your message, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, stuff happens. Um, on the flip side, on, you know, being realistic or pragmatic about where you currently are, um, how, how, how do you... Did you ever face this situation of um, almost feeling like a fraud? And if you did, you know, how did you overcome it? Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, it makes me laugh that you wonder if I faced it. Yeah. So I constantly feel like a fraud. The more you're challenging yourself to grow and get to the next level, the more you're going to feel like a fraud because you haven't done it before, right? Anytime you do something multiple times, it becomes easier and you know you're going to be able to do it. The first time is scary and you feel like you might fail. And that's where you feel like, wait a minute, who do I think I am? Should I even be trying this? I never felt like that more than when I decided to become an author. I was petrified. I thought, who am I kidding? I'm not the quote unquote smart one. I'm not the literary one. I'm the sales one. 
And part of the process is ending these labels, getting rid of these lanes that we allow ourselves to be put into, and instead just owning our unique talents and taking them wherever we want to go. It's about tuning out the noise and the self-limiting beliefs that we hear from everyone in the world and tuning in to us our talents, and our passions and purpose. And the more you do that, the more you will make better decisions that will steer you where you're ultimately meant to go. Um, so just so that I understand what you just said, um, you know, one of the habits and routines you constantly do, I'm assuming, is um, you putting, putting yourself in that position where it's almost this weird, bizarre thing in your head where, you know, I feel like a fraud now and okay, it sends a signal to me that I'm growing, you know, or I'm out of my comfort zone now. Um, is, is that right? Or? Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be pretty overwhelming, right? You know, you could be easily be, you know, watching the news or reading something that is uh, trying to grab attention with negativity uh, and, and priming you that way. So I'm wondering, you know, uh, what are some of the practices that you do to uh, shut yourself out from certain things? Or, you know, do you not read the news or do you... Well, I mean, different situations need different a decision. So, you know, if I'm in a really good headspace, I can watch the news and see the negativity and handle it. But if I'm having a really bad day and I'm very down, that's not mm -hmm. going to help me. Right. So it's like being self-aware. There's different times where you can handle different things. And, and I want to be exposed to what's happening in the world, but sometimes I, I need to take care of myself first. And that might mean watching a Disney movie with my son, because I know it's going to be uplifting and I'm going to feel better. And I know tomorrow will be a new day and I can get a good night's sleep and start over again tomorrow. And I promise you today has been one of those days that just everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. So I know that tonight, tonight's not the night I'm going to sit down and watch world news and start, you know, forecasting my revenues for 2020. I can't take that on tonight. Tonight will be a night where I lay on my couch with my son and I shut off work. You know, just knowing yourself and knowing what the things are that you need and what you can handle and not apologizing for it. You know, for a long time, I used to feel bad. Well, I'll let this person down if I don't do this or what about this? I realized that the number one priority in my life is taking care of myself first. When I do a great job at that, I can show up as the best version of me every day and support everyone I love and serve in my life. If I'm not doing that and I'm not taking care of myself and I'm sick and run down and negative, how can I add more value to others? I can't. So I've really made this commitment to understand that being focused on self-care isn't selfish, it's selfless. And that's how you add more value to the world. Awesome. Yeah. I, it, um, it's almost like the analogy where, you know, the, on the, you're on an aircraft and then you got to put on your own oxygen mask before you can uh, be able to help someone else. And um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, I'm not sure you've heard of uh, Brenner Brown as well. I think Brenner Brown talks about it as well. Um, you know, like the, if your well is not full and it doesn't overflow so that you can help other people, you, you got to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, you're not in a capacity uh, to be able to best be able to value at someone. So that's awesome. And I want to segue, you know, from Heather in terms of a leader and also a mom um, to, you know, Heather, maybe a businesswoman, right? Uh, I'm very fascinated and curious about your whole story um, and how you found your voice in, in, a, in a crowded space. Because in, in my opinion, like it can be 
pretty disorientating sometimes, right? It's it's almost as hard as saying, you know, what's my purpose or what's my passion or what's my mission in life? So, I mean, how did you go about figuring it out? And, you know, this, of course, segues into the self-awareness part of it, you know, finding out what you like and dislike. I mean, um, you know, on hindsight, what were some of the common principles that happened? You know, for me, it was really about going through the process. And this is what I would encourage everyone else to understand. For two decades, I was in corporate America focused on sales and sales leadership and running companies. And I never thought I'd have a job that was purpose-driven where I was helping others. That's new. I figured it out along the way. Because of the challenges that occurred, it opened my mind to different ideas. It wasn't some grand scheme. And yes, I came into a space that's very crowded, but I never second guessed myself. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to keep following my purpose, my heart, and my dreams and figure out what lane appears for me. And one will. The the key is to know this. 97% of people will back off. And they're going to be the ones that end up working for the 3% that don't back off. You just have to stay committed to your vision, even when no one else sees it. And more importantly, when no one else sees it, Because when you hold that vision and don't let go of it and continue to take action daily towards it, you will create your own lane. You'll create your own space. Mm, Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it reminds me of an analogy that I heard before where, you know, be it anything like um, chasing after something, applying for a job, a certain position, or like what you said, you know, trying to get a podcast guest on your show. Um, just the fact that you stick through it consistently daily would put you ahead of 97 because 97 of them will quit. Yes. Um, and then just the three of you left, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, you, your odds are much better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but that really is the difference maker. That's the one thing I can point to in my success in business in corporate America or my success as an entrepreneur. It, it's about the fact that I just don't quit and I keep focused on what my goals are, regardless of what other people tell me. Awesome. So um, this is a favorite question of mine. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what is um, what is the one biggest thing that um, an entrepreneur, business owner, founder, or even just a leader um, in, in today's world, what, what is one, the, the biggest thing that they need to consistently keep at the back of their minds so that they can grow their business as well as, you know, themselves personally in terms of their development uh, tenfold in the next 10 years? You know, first of all, stepping into fear, I've grown more in the last two years as an entrepreneur than I did in the last 20 in corporate America. I didn't, I shied away from fear back then. Now I step into it. Every time I feel scared, I see it as a green light that means go and go faster. And that was a really good decision because my growth has been massive. I wish I had done that for two decades. So if you're listening to this, start stepping into your fear. That's where all of your answers are going to happen. And it's really important to do that. The other thing is to show up as the real version of you. For a long time in business, I showed up as who I thought people wanted me to be. And maybe that was dressing in pantsuits. Maybe it was wearing my hair in a bun. Maybe it was not speaking up in meetings because I didn't want to appear loud. Here's the thing. When you start showing up as the real you, dressing as the real you, speaking like the real you, regardless of what other people think, 
you will attract the right people and the right opportunities to you that will advance you. When you're trying to be a watered down B-rate version of yourself to make others happy, you will not be as successful as you could ever be. Yeah, I, I want to you know tap into that further. Um, it's it's obviously not easy to do that. What's your process like for um, handling it, navigating it, um, dealing with that when it comes about? Because obviously it's a natural human reaction to feel fear, but um, stepping into it and doing something about it in spite of the fear, I think that's courage. So um, in terms of that, uh, could you give me some insights on um, how, you, how you personally uh, work around it? Well, I journal so I can go back to my journals and see a year ago, I was scared to go on the Steve Harvey show. Well, guess what? I went on the show and I killed it. So that becomes further validation that I can take on that next fear. Then I was scared to give my first TED talk. I was petrified. I started panicking before I walked out on stage. And guess what? I gave the talk and I killed it. And that's further validation. So writing down all of these times and continuing to reference and go back and look at all these facts and proof that you can do it. And not only can you survive from that fear, you can grow from it. And then it becomes small when it's in your hindsight. It starts teaching me that that next time that I start feeling scared again, wow, that's a green light. It means go. And this is going to end up being great too. Mm, yeah. So, so just so that I understand you correctly. So it's, it's almost like doing certain little things to prove to yourself and build that confidence so that even when you encounter setbacks, you, you bounce right back because, you know, you've just uh, been consistently building that muscle um, and reinforcing that uh, belief. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I checked out the Steve Harvey show, your, your feature on it. And also uh, some of the things that you're on, like you actually cued it. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. The, the Thank episode. you. I was super nervous that day. I just, you know, I was the only one that didn't know him. I was also the only person that wasn't black on that show, which, you know, it, it's interesting being a white female. I don't, I'm not in a situation where I'm the minority often. However, I live in Miami, so I actually am a minority because the majority of people here are Latin, right? So I've become accustomed to it. But going on that show, everybody knew each other but me. Everybody looked more alike but me. I kind of felt like the odd guy out. And then when the conversation started, those three connected and they were hitting it off and talking to each other, not talking to me. I don't think it was intentional. I just think it was these people had a previous relationship that I wasn't a part of. And I really felt kind of like an outcast and I had to interject myself to get in the conversation. And I was nervous. I was raising my hand to say, hey, Steve, I want to contribute here. I have something to say. And that can be a little intimidating when you're going up against candy from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm observing, you know, it's almost this weird, bizarre thing that uh, goes on in terms of how you think about things um, that um, you almost welcome a situation where uh, you're disadvantaged where you're put in a situation where, you know, the cards are now stacked in your favor because uh, repeatedly you have uh, turned that into something that, uh, that that you embrace and also, of course, uh, turned that into opportunities for, for much bigger growth. So um, what is what are some, you know, uh, besides journaling, besides um, some of the other habits that you adopt, I mean, um, what are some specific... Um, 
you know, actionable steps that someone can, can do when they're listening right now to start to shift their mindset? I mean, is it getting rid of certain peers that are not serving you or not supporting you in this direction? And of course, you know, um, embracing your own voice so that you shine like a light bulb so people who are like-minded would, uh, will be attracted to you. I mean, because oftentimes I see this thing where, you know, uh, this whole narrative where people are supposed to chase after stuff, like, you know, oh, I'm supposed to chase after this thing or I need to chase after a certain version of myself. But um, I think I've certain I've uh, started to realize over the years that um, it's more about becoming the person that you yes. are trying to chase and then attracting people to you. So uh, totally. could you tell us the distinctions? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, number one, and you nailed it, fire the villains from your life. Whoever is in your life that is negative, that is putting you down, whether it be in a passive aggressive way or in a direct way, fire that villain. The minute you fire villains from your life, you allow positive people to show up and opportunity to come into you. When you have negative people there, it is blocking your opportunity. This is fact. I've experienced it so wholeheartedly and please take action on this if nothing else. Another thing is you're not going to be confident all the time. So you need to leave yourself reminders when you do feel good. I write reminders on the bottom of my shoes. I leave reminders in my phone, on my calendar. You know, I've got to pick myself up. I spend more time with my thoughts than I do with anybody else in the world. So we are in charge of curating our thoughts and write down the thoughts that you want to have. I am powerful. I am confident. I am worthy. I am enough. Whatever that conversation is that you want to have, write it down and read it frequently because frequency sells and you can rewrite that dialogue in your mind. It is up to you. Write down the instances where you felt afraid and you didn't die. You overcame them, right? Start using those moments as building blocks for you. Encourage building moments for you so you can go to that next step. Find your purpose and passion, whether it was that you love to paint as a child or act or you love working with children. I don't know what it is. Think back to your times in your life when you're the happiest and start reinitiating those moments. Maybe you're in accounting and you hate your job. Well, you can't quit tomorrow, but on the weekend and at night, you can start spending time doing the things that you love. Invest in you because it is the best investment you will ever make and start thanking people instead of apologizing to them. If you're late for a meeting, you say, thank you so much for your patience. I'm ready to begin. The more we stop putting ourselves beneath other people, the more we feel on equal foot footing and the more confident we become. Hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like getting rid of this whole comparison thing uh, entirely because I used to take that advice the wrong way. I mean, personally, like I would hear, you know, stop putting myself beneath someone and then, you know, it may flip to the other side where you, you have, uh, you know, the ego comes in and you start to think that maybe sometimes I'm better than people and then that can you know rub on people's shoulders the wrong way so i mean um i found it helpful to remove that distinction entirely so i mean um and and it's like a race with yourself as opposed to with people so i'm going to segue into uh, a question i'm curious to know more about you um what's the one biggest uh the best investment that you have made so far in your entire life heather I'd say the best investment I made was when I launched my own personal brand four years ago and I did a photo shoot, which I spent, I think, $20,000 on. You know, I really wanted 
high profile, high quality images of me. I spent a day on this photo shoot. I hired an unbelievable photographer. I went all in. I hired a creative director. You know, and you don't have to have that level of resources to launch your personal brand. I had that. Um, opportunity based upon, you know, the, the career that I've had, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you, it, it's just about investing in you and elevating your profile, leveraging social media to your advantage and really holding the pen to tell your story instead of letting everybody else tell your story for you. Awesome. So uh, we're running out of time, Heather. So I uh, just got a couple of uh, last questions for you. Um, in terms of, you know, a, a resource or, you know, maybe perhaps a book or somewhere where you recommend people to go, um, you know, in terms of, you know, understanding more about your philosophy and things. Yeah. So easiest thing to do. It's 10 minutes. My Ted talk is live. If you go to YouTube and type in Heather Monahan Ted talk, that 10 minutes may change your life. I think you will love it. My book is called confidence creator. And my podcast is called creating confidence with Heather Monahan. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, are there any other ways to get in contact with you and, uh, you know, briefly what, are, what are you are working on right now? You know. Absolutely. <laughs> so my website is heathermonahan.com. You can sign up for my free accountability partner program where you'll get an email from me every day this month, really prompting you to chase after your goals and create confidence daily. You can follow me on social media. I'm all over Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, at Heather Monahan. I'd love to hear from you each week on my podcast. I answer your questions. So you can DM me any questions you have, and I will tackle them on my show weekly. And uh, what I'm up to this week, I'm heading to LA to work on my podcast with Podcast One. We're growing my show this year. I'm interviewing Ed Milet. I'm meeting with an MBA team this week. I'm doing a lot of big interviews. Yeah, this week is going to be really exciting. And I just agreed to do another TED Talk this year in 2020. So I've got some big things coming up and I just finished my second book. So more to come on when that will be coming out. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's a pleasure and privilege to have you on the show, Heather. I've been so looking forward to this. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for working with me on changing times and and for your understanding and, and thanks for putting this message out there. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Head over to video.sell.com V-I-D-E-O-T-H-A-T-S-E-L-L.com to download your free report on 8 simple ways to grow your business using video and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening on. And once again, I'm Joel Ong, and I want to appreciate you for listening in. And please leave us a review, because you have a unique story, and we want to hear it. Talk to you soon.